Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Tom Blackwood, Executive Pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Bless you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We praise the one who set us free. Death has lost its grip on us. You have won life for us, Jesus. And we say thank you. Come on, is there any hope in your heart this morning for for the goodness of God, for the life that we have in the Lord? It's a hope that will not disappoint. Thank you, Jesus. What a privilege to be able to sing these things and not just with lip service, but to know in our heart that they're true. This is truth. You've given yourself for us so that we could have eternal life. And we can claim that this morning because of what you've done. So we just want to say thank you, Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we're gathered together as one just to thank you. Come on, where you're at right there, if you're watching online, just pour out thanksgiving at Jesus' feet this morning. Thank you, Lord. I love you, Jesus. So grateful, God. So grateful. Every sin, every stain washed away because of your blood shed on the cross. So grateful for new life in you that the old has gone, the new has come. So grateful for the hope that we have. Thank you, God, for what you've done for us. We love you. And we worship you, and it's in Jesus' name we do all these things. Amen. Amen. Come on and praise the Lord with me. Hallelujah. Isn't it so good to worship with family? Isn't this great? Why don't you take a moment before you're seated and just turn to someone next to you, shake their hand, and say, man, I love worshiping with you. It's awesome. Well, as uh, everybody is saying hello here in the building, we want to say hello uh, to our online family. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning, wherever you are at. If this is your first time tuning into the broadcast right now, a digital connect card is popping up. We would love for you to fill that out. Let us know how we can serve you. We would love to connect with you. And if you want a gift sent in the mail, please click that option. And we have uh, online hosts just ready to interact and chat with you throughout the service. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, everybody, can we say hello to our online family watching all over? And if you are here for the very first time as well, special welcome to you. If you're a regular attendee, thank you for coming back. Thank you for for being worshiping here with us. But if this is your first time, we love that you've chosen to worship with us. Uh, We would love to connect with you and the opportunity to serve you and your family in the near future. Um, But one way you could do that is by filling out this connect card. You can find that uh, behind several of the seats. You can just fill that out, drop that off at the door uh, before you head out or any of the welcome centers in our lobbies and And please don't forget to take a gift. You can find all um, that gift also in the lobby against one of the walls. It's a guest box. And and it's just a thank you from us to you for visiting. 
And uh, we hope that we get to talk with you, interact with you, stay a little bit, uh, hang out in our cafe, get a drink on us, and you'll find that in the box. Once again, thank you so much for for visiting. Hey, everybody, can we say hello to our first time guests in the house today? One thing we like to say around here is welcome home, and we hope that you feel that today. Well, as we continue in our worship service, we want to invite you to just our our next aspect of worship, and that's in our giving. Um, Before we, we give you some of the ways that you can partner with us, as we partner with God to make a difference in this world, we have an initiative here called uh, Kingdom Builders. And if you want more information about Kingdom Builders, uh, you can go to our website at calvarytriad.church uh, and you can find all the information about what that is, about what Kingdom Builders is. And it's, it's what we give as a church to advance the kingdom of God uh, above our tithes and offering. And so this month's focus uh, in, our, uh, in October is the Fire Bible Initiative. Uh, would you check out the screen for more information about this project. As soon as the Fire Bible is translated in Creole, the whole population will be able to benefit, you know, the power that's in this Bible. We've been praying for this for a long time. After many years of prayer, it comes as a miracle. But the Word of God is the best miracle that we have. Many people do not have access to resources in their own heart language that teach them the truths of God's Word. The Fire Bible answers that problem. The very first time when I saw the Bible, that's, uh, my heart is beating so quickly. And then I couldn't say a word because joy and happiness is uh, in my, full of in my heart. Soon, Fire Bible will be in Polish, and they will be able to read their Bibles with understanding and use it for the kingdom's sake. I really want our church people to understand Bible well. Church people will read Bible at home. Full life study will help them a lot. You are Fire Bible. Without you, none of this is possible. The Fire Bible, bringing the fire of God's Word to the human heart. And so this month, would you consider uh, partnering with us in our Kingdom Builders Project? Our our goal as as Calvary Calvary family is to give $10,000 to Kingdom Builders for this project. And so here's a few ways you can give, not only to Kingdom Builders, but also to your tithes and offering. You can go to calvarytriad.church, our new website, slash give. And again, there's a link there for Kingdom Builders, but also other ways that you can give. You can mail in a check or also text to give. Um, That's the most convenient way as well. You can text um, your amount to 84321, and uh, you can give tithe offering that way as well. Well, thank you in advance just for partnering with us as we impact the triad and all over the world. Right now, we have a team right now in in South Africa, and they're probably watching with us right now um, and and building the kingdom of God there. Pastor Tom has a team there, and so would you partner with us as we advance the kingdom together? With that said, would you uh, check out the screen for what's going on this week at Calvary? everyone, my name is Dorette. 
Welcome to Calvary, and thanks for worshiping with us today. There's a lot happening at Calvary, and so we want to take a few minutes and share a couple of things coming up for you and your family. So check this out. Ladies, Calvary Women invites you to an inspiring night of community support next Sunday night at 6 p.m. here at the church. The event is all about highlighting community partnerships with local pregnancy ministries. For this event, we will be taking up diaper donations sizes four and up. You can drop those off at the welcome tent outside. Come see how you can be a part of the ways Calvary is working to serve others and reach the women of Greensboro and the greater triad area. Childcare will be provided. Calvary Youth will be hosting a color run to help support Speed the Light on Saturday, October 15th. Speed the Light is a student-initiated charitable program that provides much-needed equipment to missionaries around the world. To learn more about this event and to sign up, visit calvarytriad.church slash stlcolorun. Fall Fest is coming up on Wednesday, October 26th. Join us for a night of fun for the whole family. As we prepare for this event, we would like to invite you to join us in serving the community. To see a full list of all the areas that we need help in and to sign up to serve, visit calvarytriad.church slash fallfestserve. We're so glad you could join us today. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at calvarytriad.church and on Facebook and Instagram at Calvary Triad. God wants to speak to you today. And our prayer is that you grow in the knowledge of who he is and his plans for your life. Let's prepare our hearts for God's word. Here at Calvary this week and the next couple of weeks, and I thank you for just making uh, making yourselves aware of that. Thank you, Durrett, for doing the video uh, and just uh, just getting this our mind focused on what God is doing. I had an opportunity; I needed to visit with someone just a minute ago to walk around the sanctuary a little bit. And uh, man, there's just a, an enthusiasm and fervor in worship and anticipation. I just can feel that in the room. And thank you for just coming into God's house and worshiping Him. That's what it's all about, right? And uh, I, I leaned over to, to Kim just a minute ago. And I said, how grateful do, should we be? And, and just kind of a reminder to ourselves to say, we get to worship the Lord and uh, with freedom and just um, a great facility, yes, but that's so less the importance of it, but just the freedom of worship. And boy, don't ever become familiar with that. And uh, sometimes when we have things that are available to us all the time, uh, we, we just kind of get used to it, right? And uh, sometimes God needs to kind of shake us out of those, uh, just the, the monotony of the routine and say, wow, hey, get baptized or encourage you, somebody in worship or just whatever the things are to kind of be that catalyst moment for us. We're um, just so excited about that. Well, the video announcements are, are great, but I did have one thing that, uh, that, was coming, that is coming up that I... I said, you know what? I don't. I don't want that to be on a video. I want to. I want to say it myself because sometimes when you know you guys get all settled in and, and pastor gets separated to preach, that your attention goes up a little bit. So this is one that I wanted to draw a little bit of attention to. October thirtieth. So October thirtieth. Go ahead and grab your calendars right now. And if you had plans to be gone, change them. 
I'm, I'm absolutely serious. Change them. So uh, October 30th is a Sunday. It's coming up in a few weeks. And we have a guest speaker that will be with us on that day um, here at Calvary. And if my, my remote will work, you'll see. There we go. There it is. So um, we have a guest speaker that will be with us here in our service at Calvary. And that is Doug Clay. For many of you, you know that name. And you may know the title that goes along with the name. the General Superintendent of the Assemblies of God. And what that looks like is about 13,000, a little over 13,000 churches here in the U.S., plus churches all over the world, um, that Doug sits at the top of the flow chart, just right underneath God himself, right? Um, and uh, as the flow chart of the Assemblies of God, and is our, we call it the General Superintendent um, of the AGUSA. So we are focusing on that day in October 29th and 30th. Uh, on the 30th, on the Sunday, we're focusing on kind of a year-end push in kingdom builders. And we reached out and kind of pulled some strings a little bit and said, Doug, if, do you have the day available? Can you come help us um, just with that word from God as it relates to kingdom builders and just what God's saying to us in our fellowship? And it, it was available. And so they're going to be here. So uh, just make plans to be here. That's on the 30th, on the Sunday. On the Saturday, the day before, the 29th of October, Pastor Tom is leading um, an event that day, and it's just going to be a Kingdom Builders celebration banquet. And it's off-site. It's not here at the church. There's information about that event in the Kingdom Builders Gallery, which is if you go out these main doors here to the right, you'll see that gallery. One of our staff, Danny, will be back there, and uh, she'll give you information about that as well. That is not an event on the 29th that you just show up to. It's a, it's a register for because we have limited spots available for that and, uh, and it's very limited in that. So make sure if you have availability and want to be there with us on the 29th, uh, for the banquet, that would be great as well. Doug will be the speaker at both, uh, but uh, we're excited about that. For any of you that have grown up and maybe you understand the the the, uh, the structure of the Assemblies of God, this is a pretty big deal. Uh, so we're excited to have Doug, and, and I think his wife Gail is going to be able to be with him as well that day. We're excited to welcome them on the, the 30th of October, 29th and 30th of October. You heard G say a minute ago our Kingdom Builders focus uh, for this month Fire Bible. Can I just uh, uh, take a few moments to remind you once again and coach you a little bit? Pastor G said it a minute ago. Um, our kingdom builder's vision is in addition to what God um, requires us as it relates to obedience to his word, is in, in addition to our tithes, in that our tithes, that first fruit, the 10%, the first 10% of those resources that God has given to us is what scripture says that we are, are, are required as believers to, to, to bring. And so we do that. And then out of the abundance, out of the overflow, we ask God, what do you want for us to do out of our, out of our overflow in the, in the generosity quotient? And that's where kingdom builders comes in. Uh, somebody has asked me this past week, we've had this conversation that uh, said, well, I've just shifted some of the tithes over to kingdom builders. And that's not the intent. Uh, the tithes, the Bible says that to bring the full tithe into the storehouse, and this church is a storehouse where we do the ministries that, that God's called us to do, and then out of the overflow, the Kingdom Builders uh, mission is there. And boy, we've celebrated the last couple weeks. God is doing some great things through Kingdom Builders. And uh, Fire Bible is, is no, no different than that. We're excited to, to I'm going to just tell you in advance that we're going to celebrate some great things because I know you are um, uh, listening people and God's speaking and we're going to have a great, great story of testimony at the end of this month as it relates to Fire Bible. However, 
We're going to steal a little bit of the focus today as it relates to kingdom builders because of the current events of our, of our world. Uh, those of us here that are in Greensboro and some of you that may be joining online in different areas of the, the country and the world, you know that the, the eyes of the world have been on the, the southeast portion of the United States here the last couple of days, especially in Florida as it relates to Hurricane Ian that has gone through and uh, so many people have lost their lives in this tragedy. And, and in the middle of crisis, there seems to always be an amazing response of the goodness of God. And that's an encouraging place in the middle of crisis to be. And one of our partners that we partner together with through Kingdom Builders is a ministry called Convoy of Hope. And they sent us a video yesterday. It wasn't in the, the agenda for today. And I know we've seen a lot of videos today, not normal, but I wanted you once again to see a reminder of what, when you give through Kingdom Builders, we do give to Convoy of Hope as well. Um, wanted you to see an update on what God is doing through, through our generosity and then also as a prayer point for those families that are still in need. So if you'll watch this video from Convoy and uh, then we'll come back. Convoy of Hope is here in Fort Myers, Florida, ground zero for Hurricane Ian. All over is devastation. Houses underwater, trees and power lines down everywhere. Many lives are forever changed. At a time of hopelessness for so many here, Convoy of Hope is providing the hope survivors are looking for. Our disaster services team is delivering essential supplies people need and will need for weeks to come. Thank you for your support that allows Convoy of Hope to make such a difference here at a time that is so tragic for so many. You can join our response at convoy.org slash Ian. Well, the story continues. In the middle of crisis, in the middle of things that we maybe don't expect as much, um, it seems like we are... Um, struck with this unique human, um, uh, unique characteristic of the human nature, the human race, and that's that when crisis hits, we see the good in people. And yet also when crisis hits, we can sometimes see the bad. It seems like it's like this, this, uh, this sponge that we get squeezed and what's in us comes out, right? Well, the most, of the, most of the time what you see during crisis is people responding to needs. You saw in the, the news, as, as did I this past week, all the different stories about the, the incredible devastation on the Florida Gulf Coast and then even through South Carolina. And quite honestly, you can, some, some of you can look out your back, back windows and see some of it here. But in the middle of this crisis, there, there seems to be an appropriate response of just being good and, and expressing kindness to people. It's an amazing opportunity for us to, to sense what God is leading us to do in a very tangible way. We saw people uh, donating their boats to rescue personnel in Florida. We see people donating food and water to different ministries like Convoy of Hope here. We, we see and we, many of us in this room have gone next door to check on people. Hey, are you, you okay? Do you still have power? Do you need anything? Do you, you know, are there those, those situations there? And, and even close to home, 
uh, the last couple days, we've, we've had an experience here in the staff here at Calvary Church a few nights ago, actually two nights ago. Um, we got a message from one of our own, and uh, Levi and Brittany are here over to my left, and you guys know Levi and Brittany Fisher well. Levi works on staff here at the church in our Kidman area, and got a picture from Levi and Brittany of their, of their living room with a, a huge tree in the middle of it that was not supposed to be there. And uh, it was it was pretty pretty drastic, pretty big. Um, and so, in the middle of an evening, just sitting on the couch, and uh, you know, in a safe home, all of a sudden, a tree falls through your roof, and you're struck with crisis. What's the response? Well, for them, the response was to get things together and go to to Brittany's mom and dad's house and and safety, right? To get out of there. The the crazy um, just. <laughs> just tragic uh, culmination of some of that, uh, the events there is in coming the next morning, Saturday morning, several of us, of us from the staff got there and I think Matt Rand was one of the first ones there and text Levi before he even got there and said, uh, hey uh, Levi, how many trees fell on your house? And he said, well, just one. No, <laughs> that another one had fallen on the first one and pushed that one further down in the living room and, and basically dissected the, half, the house in half and and uh, in the middle of a uh, family situation where you've got a, a young couple that's expecting their first child in a, in a few months, first of the year, that was not expected. That's not part of the plan. And what happens in the middle of crisis? Well, I'm going to leave that story just for a second to say, uh, and I'll come back to it in a minute. I think we must be rearranging furniture or something back there. Is anybody else hearing that in the room? If you're online, you're not hearing that probably, but uh, somebody's probably figuring that out, hopefully. Um, this week has been one uh, for myself, too, that uh, not anything even closely related. Please understand, I'm not comparing the two at all. But there comes those moments in our lives when, when, when things may be going really well and then we hit this wall almost, and we say, well, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't expected. That was a little bit of a detour to things. Even this past week, um, your pastor, uh, in the normal rhythm of the week in preparation to, to bring God's word here today, it was just like this wall. And it was just this continuation of, of or this, this, um, this struggle. It was almost sometimes you feel like you're running, and then other times you feel like you're kind of plodding in, in quicksand a little bit. And there's things that, that you know, it's just like, ah, oh, it's just not clicking. Well, this was one of those weeks, and it was just kind of, it's kind of a struggle. And it wasn't until I'm sitting on Levi's roof yesterday, right? Like, this non spiritual at all, right? But spiritual. I'm saying that a little bit sarcastic. Sitting on Levi's roof yesterday, and I'm seeing the, the family here at Calvary. I'm, I'm seeing uh, men and women that have just pitched in and, and people bringing food. And some people, they, it's like, I have no idea what to do. I just know we're supposed to respond in some, some way. And it was just like the Holy Spirit said, well, I've got you up here on this roof to uh, um, let you know that the word that we're trying to get across to, to our people, to his people today, I need you to understand it first. I said, all right, Lord, well, you're going to get down off this roof first or, you know, whatever. And what we're going to see here in just a minute is in Acts chapter eight, there's a story of Philip and there's a story of God speaking to him and his obedience to the voice of the Lord. And it was obedience in such that he didn't know the end, but he just knew the next step. 
And he just knew that, I don't know where you're taking me, Lord, but I know that you're telling me to go south. We'll read here in just a minute. And I'll just take that first step south. And at each step of the way, God seems to just show up and say, okay, now I'm going to meet you here. Now you go a different step. And now I'm going to go here and I'll meet you here. And it was as if God was just saying, you know what? God wants to, I want to, God was saying this to me on the roof. He's like, I just want to speak the truth and the simplicity of my word. And I kind of need you to get out of the way. Well, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) And so I, we were praying this morning before even the early service, and I said, I feel like I'm kind of on one of those uh, tight ropes today, walking without a net. And that's kind of fun, and it's exciting. And even this morning, we had some, some um, responses into this idea of obedience uh, that I think God's honoring that, that level of obedience in our lives. Here's the key point today. When we come up against crisis in the natural world and things like that that we don't expect, uh, it's easy for us to see and to understand a very tangible, immediate response. Can, Can I hear you just say yes, right? That's easy. The truth of it is, and as we read through God's word, is that our response to an ongoing spiritual crisis in this world should be as passionate and as intentional as to a physical or natural crisis. The key is this, let us be people that respond to spiritual crisis with the same passion and intentionality as our response to physical and natural crises that we encounter. Acts chapter eight, go with me. Um, And we're gonna see today, if your title and notes, the right response. Acts chapter eight, verse 26 says this. As for Philip... An angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. That was the length of the description of his assignment. Just go south. And Philip responds. So he started out and just did. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kendake, the queen of Ethiopia, The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Interesting note about this portion thus far. This would not have been the normal upbringing of this leader, this this treasurer of Ethiopia. Someone had had to have planted a seed of this message of of Jesus into his life already to to get him out of the norm of the culture that he grew up in into this this understanding of the, the prophets and what God was doing. And all of a sudden, the seed that was planted prior comes into an intersection point with Philip, who is just going south on this road, and we see what God does when there's a crisis and a response. It goes on to say this, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, hey, go over and walk beside the carriage. So now we see a a step, you know, go south. That's all I know. So I'm going south. Now there's a carriage coming along. Now go walk beside the carriage. Can you put yourself into this situation where maybe you've had a similar experience Says, hey, I I need you to go down. I need you to go buy groceries. I know you normally go to Food Line, but I want you to go to Harris Teeter today instead. 
You're like, oh, they got a sale at Food Lion. I don't want to go to Harris Teeter. And, and you just feel like you're supposed to go there. And all of a sudden you get there and you're on aisle seven, you know, whatever. And you say, you know what? I just need you to go walk alongside that lady that's got her cart. And you say, what in the world? She's going to think I'm creepy, you know, or whatever. And she's gonna, just, just go do it. Just walk along. This is what Philip's experience. This is like the real experience of being obedient. It's not all like flashes and mirrors and those voices from clouds all the time. It's just that nudge sometimes, and Philip is walking in that. And so Philip, his response isn't to run away. The Bible says that Philip ran over, and in the minute when he, when he does this in this obedience and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah, well, that was probably a shock to him because that would not have been the norm for someone from Ethiopia to have this, this, uh, this understanding and knowledge, not to mention in that day and age for him to be reading from a written copy of the, the works of the prophets, that was very unique, right? That, that was like, wow, this guy is wealthy. He's a man of influence and his culture would be such that this would be a unique situation. He re- hears him reading from the prophet Isaiah. And so Philip says, okay, here I am. I've went south and now I'm walking by this carriage. So I'm gonna ask this guy. I love this question. It wasn't like condemning or convicting. It was just kind of, hey, I'm going to walk into and engage in this man's world. And so he says to him, hey, do you understand what you're reading? For me, I think this is one of those moments where we could say, hey, when was the last time you were in a coffee shop? We sitting down in Starbucks or whatever, and you see somebody in a Bible study or whatever, and be, don't be rude or you know, interrupt a group or whatever, but if some, someone's beside themselves and they're over and reading, what was the last time you just walked up and sat down and said, hey, do you mind? Can, what are you reading? Do you understand that? Who knows, but that person may be sitting there saying, God, I don't know what you're saying in this thing, but I'm, I know I'm supposed to, my mom told me, my grandma said I'm supposed to be reading the Bible, and I just don't get it. And you may be the answer to that question. Philip was. Philip walks in and he says, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? It's pretty awesome, right? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage, come sit down by me and, uh, and to sit with him. And the passage of scripture he had been reading was this from Isaiah, says in quotes, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Some of us that have grown up or that have an understanding of scripture, you may understand and may recognize that this passage of scripture from what we now have as the Old Testament was a word of prophecy from Isaiah speaking of a man who Philip had just seen walk the earth and was crucified, buried in a tomb, and was, was, and rose again the third day. It was this man, Jesus, that was there. Is this my mic going out? Thanks. Let's try this. I thought they were rearranging furniture, but it was all me and the whole nail there. Two seconds. Is that better? We'll see here in a minute if it happens again. The scripture that Philip was reading through, or that the Ethiopian was reading that Philip interacted with him on was referring 
to Jesus. We know that and we see that and we see symbolic statements like he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and all this and that, that, that we understand that some of us in this room but others boy that's interesting and that's just really a metaphor that, that you may not understand and truthfully this this Ethiopian leader didn't either and Philip was given the unique opportunity to explain this to him. It goes on to say this the eunuch asked Philip tell me Was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? For those of you that have this like, you know, like this evangelistic nature about you and and you just, you just love to tell people about Jesus, which we all should have a little bit more of that in us, right? This is like the open door. This is like the Ethiopian guy saying, hey, um, I'm not really sure, but I think I'm supposed to interact with this truth and tell me more, right? Wouldn't you love to have that type of invitation? Well, the, the truth of this scripture is that there had to be three or four different steps of obedience in Philip's life to get him to that point. He had to go south. He had to walk alongside the carriage. He had to be invited in, to come into to his house, to his carriage, to, the, to his seat at Starbucks, right, so to speak. And then it opens up this awesome, awesome conversation. And then in verse 35, this is an incredible truth I hope you don't miss. It says, so beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. He did not miss an opportunity to respond to this man's crisis. Now you say, well, that's not necessarily a crisis. He's like affluent. He's in a carriage. He's in a crisis of his, his spiritual development where he's reading this and not understanding it, and God provides the answer. And the, the culmination of his, his uh, response and his asking for an answer is quite remarkable. And it says this, as they rode along, they came to some water. How's this for a setup? And we didn't even plan it this way. This was like a scheduled thing and it just worked. They came to some water and the eunuch said, hey, look, there's some water. Why can't I get baptized? Why can't I be baptized? Well, you see what had happened in the the carriage ride between this statement and the, the, the previous one was that there had to be this further understanding of the knowledge and the grace and the love of Jesus in his life that was so much so that as Philip unpacked this story of the good news of Jesus, something came alive in this this leader's life. And he said, man, I wanna make a public profession, a declaration of this truth. That's why it's so cool to hear that what Lindsay went through today. Some of you have asked me the question before. He said, can we be baptized again? Or like we've been baptized before. Is the Bible, what's, what's the Bible say about being baptized again? Well, the Bible doesn't specifically say once, twice, 10 times or whatever. But what it does tell us is that our relationship with Jesus is such that, that, that sometimes, and hopefully this doesn't happen to you in this room, but sometimes we can, we can walk away from that, that saving knowledge and that, that understanding of, of our relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that we should remain in him. And, and the Bible gives us understanding and teaching that if someone falls away, that we should go to him as a brother and try to restore them in. And so there's this understanding that sometimes that, that we intentionally walk away from and we need to recommit or re-engage with our relationship with Jesus. And if baptism is that public 
profession of the inner working of what God is doing in our life, then it serves to reason that, that if we're going to recommit our lives to Christ, then we would want to reprofess. And so you're seeing here in this situation here where the Ethiopian eunuch has, has a have prior relationship with Jesus, comes to a deeper relationship with Jesus, and he says, well, I, I should be baptized. And so I'm just here to tell you today, even though the scripture doesn't say once, twice, or whatever, I just believe that it is a, is a symbol of our death, burial, and resurrection with Jesus and our, our profession of faith. So if God's saying, hey, I need you to recommit your, de- your dedication, your life to me, then, then man, let's just reprofess it as well. Do you understand what I'm saying on that? Sometimes there's things of scripture that... that, that uh, the principle behind it is where we need to land. And that baptism is that public profession of what God has done in our lives internally. So this Ethiopian leader, he has the same understanding. And he says, hey, I want to go get baptized again. And that's what God was doing in and through his life. So he ordered the carriage to stop. And they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. What an incredible statement of obedience from Philip and from the Ethiopian leader. So as we look at this story, there's an interesting um, application of that, that like I said earlier, it's just this idea that we need to be able to respond to spiritual crisis in the same way, in the same passion and intentionality that many times we do to physical as well. And in order to do that, the right response in any types of these crisis moments is obedience. It's just simply go south, walk alongside the carriage, come up into the carriage. Hey, what's this prophet talking about? And each step of the way, there's a level of obedience. Notice in this story, the first thing that is is just so powerful, that obedience should be immediate. You don't see in Luke's telling of this story where Philip heard the angel of the Lord said, go south. You don't see him say, well, you know, he went for three days into a time of fasting and prayer and, and, he, and he asked the committee. And all, no, 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 no. He said, and he just went. So he started out. Can I tell you today that God may be speaking to you some very specific things of obedience? And I just want to encourage you, start. Start out. You say, I don't know what the next step is. Neither do I. Start. Just walk in that space. That's why this idea of experiencing God, following Jesus and serving others is so important because when we follow Jesus in community and are involved in our small groups, you can call those people and say, hey, I I feel like God's telling me to take this step. And you say, great, let's go. And we'll just be that support system for you as you take those next few steps and we'll be there along with you to help you in that. And that community helps you in those immediate steps of obedience. Yesterday, when we were all over at the Fisher's house and just walking through, boy, talk about not knowing what the next few steps are, right? There's just this moment of, God, we just need to pray for favor for insurance companies. And the next thing, and, and you know, Hurricane Ian just blessed with the most amazing remodel of this house that was unexpected that will be down the road. But each step of the way is going to be a step of faith. And it's going to be, okay, God, should we walk this way? And, and we're going to be, be very careful to make sure we hear from God in these very practical things. And Levi and Brittany are they're, they're, they're a couple, men and women of God, that will hear from Jesus, I know. Um, but in our lives, it's the same way, that when God speaks, we should, we should just obey. The truth of it is, is if you're like me, um, you've probably seen this truth displayed in your life as well, that sometimes delayed obedience 
can lead to disobedience. Boy, you're really quiet, and I hope I'm not the only one in this room that has understood this, that how many of you understand as moms and dads, you understand that as well, that sometimes if your kids say, yeah, I'll do that, and then they don't right then, then an hour, two hours, three hours, three days later, I told you to, ah, oh, I forgot. And yet the principle that we as parents try to instill in our children is a response that when we say something to do, then their response is, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, and they do. And there's no negotiation there, right? And yet we want to instill this principle in our children. And yet sometimes when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, yeah, but God, and we begin to negotiate. And the whole time when, when we get encounter, encounter scripture and we see stories like this of Philip, he just went out. He started out and he knew what the, didn't know what the next step was, but he started. Let us be a people that would do the same. I've said this so many times in a different way, but I'll say it this way. I just long to be in the middle of a, a group of people that, that are okay to fail. You say, well, that's a really weird vision statement right there, okay? So here, here's what I mean by that. I just think that God sometimes wants to um, alleviate the pressure of obedience from us. I know this is what he does for me to say, hey, sometimes we just need to, to take the burden off of us for the end result of our obedience and say, God, I don't know what you have in store for this, but I know you're telling me to do this. And so even if I fail, even if this doesn't turn out the way I thought it would, or even if you don't even know how it should turn out, you just step. And I promise you, God will step in the middle of that and he will honor obedience every time. It is not up to you and me to understand where God is necessarily leading. It is up to us to say, Father, yes, sir, and obey. You say, oh, what, Pastor John, that's, I'm not sure about that. Jesus in the garden prayed to God and he said, God, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Let this destiny. God, if there's another way, but not my will, yours be done. What he was demonstrating to us is in the, in the absence of this peace and this, I know that I know that I know. That, no, no, no. There's a still small voice. Our spirit, God speaks to us and we know that he's telling us to go. And obedience, obedience should be immediate. Don't allow delayed obedience to lead to disobedience. Second thing this scripture, this story in Acts 8 tells us is obedience many times just involves what you already have. When there's physical crisis, when there's things that happen in our world, it's not the time when things happen immediately in emergency to say, oh, we should go prepare and buy a bunch of stuff to give. No, what do you do? You look around your house and you say, what can I give from what I have? Yesterday, going over to Levi and Brittany's, Kim and I, we had the same thing. We'd done some stuff for breakfast or whatever. Well, throw it in the car. We're taking it with us. What? We've got a case of water. Throw it in the car. Oh, you just take what you have. Philip did the same thing in this story. When, when he came into this, this situation where this, this Ethiopian leader is, is reading from the prophet Isaiah, hey, what does this mean? What did Philip do? He did not run away and said, I better go study the scriptures really fast. 
No, he, he pulled from, he made a withdrawal from the deposits of all the, quote, small groups that he had been involved in. You like that shameless plug, right? So he made a withdrawal from the deposits of all that study he had been doing and that discipline and those spiritual disciplines that were already in his life. And he said, I'm just the man that you need right now because I can explain to you that this story about in Isaiah is not about a lamb that you don't know who that is. That's actually a metaphor for this man who is the rabbi. He was the teacher. He's Messiah. And and I I was there. I saw him crucified. I saw the empty tomb. And that's who this scripture is talking about. He made a withdrawal on the the reserves of the study of scripture that that was already in his life. Obedience requires what you have. Finally, we see in this story, the right response in crisis is obedience and results will follow. You say, Pastor John, I'm not so sure about that. I've been obedient before, and, and, and this, it wasn't necessarily a cause and effect. Like, I did this, and what I anticipated was going to happen, it didn't happen. Boy, this hits home a little bit in, in my life personally, and I didn't even share this in this morning um, this past last couple of days, um, been talking with my mom and dad, and my mom and dad are walking through a situation right now with, well, I would say, you know, different lingo, but my mom's best friend. And my mom's best friend growing up, she's, uh, she's an incredible woman of God. She's at the end, it seems like, at the end of, of her life here on this earth, and they've called in hospice, and, and there's been prayer after prayer after prayer for healing And there's been steps of obedience to say, God, heal. And and God, I'm going to go do this and pray and do that. And and for some reason, the end of that obedience step is not looking like it's going to end the way that people had intended. And in the middle of that, God never explains some of these things to us here on this earth But what he's asking us to do is to develop within us a a character that is more like Jesus, and that's the priority, than any visible result that we may see with our own physical eyes. And so that's not, trust me, that is not just a cop-out way to explain away God's inactivity. God's activity may be external in results that we see, but the results that many times happen in my life God is wanting to accomplish is right inside of here. Because if I'm not careful, I equate my obedience to the external results. And if there's some visible, external, tangible results, then I'll obey you next time. Well, that's not what God demands and requires of us. That would be foolishness of us to say to our two-year-old, that our three-year-old son or daughter to say, hey, I'm going to explain to you why I'm not giving you what you've asked for because I know it's not good for, I know you want to eat, you know, you know Cheetos and Cokes for the rest of your life and have that for every, whatever. I know that's, you say, what kind of kids did you raise? Our kids did not do that, right? But, but it's, it's like this, trying to explain the things that are beyond our thoughts and minds when we say, hey, the results of our prayers are not necessarily being answered. And God's just simply saying, I am building and growing within you, and the result of your obedience may not be visible just yet. 
What would have happened in this story if the Ethiopian leader had just said, wow, that's, that's the craziest thing you've ever said. Get out of my carriage. I never want to see you again. Well, you know what? God was still building and growing something in Philip, and the results were still there. The results will follow. Many times they're external. Sometimes they're internal. And God still is faithful. For some of us, you say, well, Pastor John, this is interesting, but I don't necessarily know that God's actually been speaking to me recently about uh, really any type of obedience. There's nothing like on the list that I'm delaying, I'm, you know, I, whatever. Well, in case you have forgotten, there is a, there's marching orders that have never changed. Matthew chapter 28, it says it this way, go and make disciples. Go. Like, I literally had this, you know, thought about making an illustration, just getting to this point, dropping the mic and just walking off, you know. Go, make disciples. Go. Like, literally, go and make disciples. Can I say it again? The, the marching orders that require obedience, the crisis that awaits all of us is simply right here. When Jesus was leaving, he said to us, go and make disciples. Pastor Clayton's going to come and help me conclude today, and here's, I'm going to wrap up in just a little bit of a different way. I think I've told this story once before here, and if not, or if so, just listen to what God may be saying again. You see, sometimes when, when we hear the, the, uh, the shift of the perception of a, a spiritual crisis, we look around uh, and, and say, well, you know, Pastor John, you're saying that that requires obedience, go and make disciples. And if we're not careful, when we become so insulated in our experience with, with people that, that love Jesus and follow him, and we don't ever see the crisis in others, we can become lulled to complacency so much that even a, an understanding of obedience, which is, well, well, if the need was really present, I'd, I, would, I would do something, but, but everybody in my sphere of influence is good. We're all good. And sometimes God needs to kind of shake us out of that a little bit and say, hey, the marching orders have never changed. Go and make disciples. It was about, I may be getting dates wrong. I think it was just right at 21 years, 20 years ago. Um, when I was, uh, actually it wasn't even that long. It was 10 years ago. I'm making my decades. I, I should have got this written down. We were at youth camp one, uh, the end of a week of youth camp, and I was a district youth director in, in, in North Texas area, and what that simply means is that we put on camps for all the, the Assemblies of God churches. And there's about 800 kids on a campground one, one uh, week, as about normal. Had about four or five weeks. There was four weeks of camp that year. So 3,000 plus kids in one week uh, was there. It was no different, I thought, than any other week. But it was a Tuesday night, a bunch of youth pastors, myself, were in playing basketball late night. Kids were all in their cabins with the other leaders sleeping. Everything was good. We get out of the basketball, uh, the gym there. We walk out, and I'm standing beside another youth pastor. His name's Jason Mayo. Jason was, uh, we were walking out of the, the, uh, the gym there and walk, look across the, the parking lot and the driveway and all the areas there the campground. I'll never forget, it was cabin 18, and uh, on the patio of cabin 18 was one of Jason, the youth pastor Jason's uh, student, 16-year-old. His name was Dustin. Dustin was on the patio. He should not have been outside, right? So we're like, ah, you're, you're breaking the rules here, dude. What's going on? So Jason yells at him. Well, Jason knew some of his history and knew kind of what was going on there, and he saw saw Dustin kind of doubled over a little bit, struggling, and he knew that Dustin was severe uh, asthmatic, 
and he recognized that Dustin was in trouble. And um, he yelled at Dustin, said, hey, Dustin, go back inside. I'll be right there. So we ran over there. By the time we, we covered the ground from the gym to the cabin, Dustin had gone inside to the cabin and went into like what was the counselor's um, bathroom area. We got to the door. He had, he had locked the door, I guess, you know, obviously for privacy, whatever. And about the time we got to the door, um, we heard uh, kind of a thud. And obviously at that moment, things went a little bit different direction. And the next few moments, we called the paramedics or the nurse guy that we had there, got into the bathroom. And when we went into the bathroom, Dustin, a 16-year-old boy, is laying on the bathroom floor. And, and it couldn't have been more than 60 seconds, but he was already purple from about here up. And uh, our, our world went into crisis mode a little bit. And the, the plans for the evening just got shifted. And how do you respond in crisis? Well, you just respond. And you respond from what you have, the knowledge you have. And so we begin uh, CPR and chest compressions. And, and, and I found myself in the, the middle of this, this 16-year-old boy and, and in the middle of his body laying there. And, and uh, I'll never forget it. It was this moment of crisis that nobody really, you don't have time to think. You just act. You just do. And uh, we had called the paramedics and it had to be several minutes by the time. Well, there was a moment that happened there that we knew that we had to get him out of the bathroom and get him out into the sidewalk to where when the paramedics got there, they would have more space to work. So I, I picked this boy up and it just so happened I was in the middle and I cradled him, cradled him in my arms. And uh, I remember that it was the first realization that I had that things were really bad when, when he was obviously unconscious and at this time he didn't, he didn't have any strength to hold his head up. So his head falls back and his eyes kind of rolled back a little bit. And I looked in the 16-year-old young man's face and life was gone. I've never seen that before. I've never been involved in that experience before. So we, we just, you just respond, you just act. We lay him out on the sidewalk and the paramedics come and we get out of the way. They do their, their work. They go, we take him to the ER and I'm sitting there in the emergency room, waiting room with Jason, the youth pastor, when the doctor comes out and uh, said, we did all we could, but uh, Dustin's passed away. And I'm, I'm standing there having just, you know, 48 hours earlier stood in front of all these youth pastors saying things like, you know, hey, we, you trust us with your kids and we're going to do our best to steward the environment here and we're going to take care of it. We're going to do the best. And now I've got a 16-year-old boy that has died. And I'll never forget, there's so many different pieces of this story, but the reason why I felt like God wanted me to share it today is because Jason, the youth pastor, runs out of the, he didn't run, he wasn't, he just went out of the emergency room area there. And it was, it was some of you, in fact, Pastor Clayton knows the area from Waxahachie. It was right outside of the Getz and Daner area there in Waxahachie. And I, I walked out and Jason is just doubled over this, this trash can and he's just sobbing found out later that Dustin had just had given his life to Jesus about a year ago, been baptized. And in his journal that night, we found his journal before he had this episode he had written. I just know that God's healing me of all these things. And it was just this incredible story of what God's doing. And yet here in this moment, the, the life is gone. And I'll never forget in that moment, you're just supposed to be, you're supposed to be like, just, just listen and not like, you know, not say much, but just be a shoulder to cry on. But the Holy Spirit was speaking something to me that day to this youth pastor that I just was like, Jesus, please don't make me say that. Please don't make me say that to him. 
and I just couldn't get away from it. So I pulled Jason up and I said, and we're friends. And so I had a level of relationship that I felt like I could do this. I said, Jason, I know that you and I both just saw something in Dustin's face that we never want to see again. And I said, my prayer for you, Jason, is that you and I never forget that look. Never. And I said to this young youth pastor, and I was really saying it to me too, because every day we go into every store that we're in, I said to this youth pastor, I said, every time you stand up in front of a group of students, may God please allow you to see the same type of spiritual death that you just saw physically in the life of every student that you come up in contact with that needs Jesus. Let it never escape you. And I got to be honest with you, There's been times when I've been involved in this relationship of following Jesus that that look of Dustin is the farthest thing from my mind and I just brush right by people. And even in my preparation this morning, God's saying, remember, remember that face because there's a crisis of spiritual death in this world. And all I'm asking you to do is just go south. Just walk up beside the carriage. I'll tell you the next steps. I'm just asking you to to be obedient. Let us all be people that when we see those individuals and our family members, that we respond the same way we rushed to a house to get a tree off a roof. That we would rush across the, the restaurant to say, hey, do you know what you're reading? that we would rush across the neighborhood to knock on that door, say, hey, I've been praying for you. It's real easy to respond to physical crisis. What's God telling us to do with those spiritual crises, those dustins that are in our world? Sometimes the results are external. We see them. Sometimes they're right here. Can I tell you this message? Boy, it's right here for me. God, let me be a man that would be obedient to your word. Let us be people that would respond to spiritual crisis with the same passion and intentionality as our response to physical and natural crisis. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you to take that little orange card that's in the seat pocket in front of you. It says notes. On the back of it, it just says, what is God saying to you? Pastor Clayton's going to lead a song in just a minute. And our response today is going to be personal. And it probably will be just a little bit quiet. Because I'm just going to ask God to speak to you and just be bold enough to write it down. A lot of times when we hear God speaking and we don't take that next step, it's easy for us to have this delayed obedience. Write it down and see what God may be saying to you today, where you're at. He may be telling you to go south, walk up alongside the carriage. So Father, right now, I pray that you would speak very clearly to our hearts. Just tell us what you want us to hear. God, if there are people in this room that have never entered a relationship with Jesus, encourage them in just a moment. God, we're going to ask for that response, and we're going to just ask for for your gift of salvation for those lives. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Clayton's going to lead. Just take a few minutes right where you're at and listen to what God may be saying to you today. I hear 
Obviously, be careful about the, the center here. We'll kind of go to either side. As they're coming, I'm going to give you an opportunity if you're here in this room. And you would say, you know what, Pastor John, I'd love for, for you and maybe some of these friends here to include me in this closing prayer. And I've never necessarily begun a relationship with Jesus today's the day that I would love to begin that. Even last week, we just had several that, that started that journey. And, and, and when I say started, I, I do mean that, that it's just the start. And then beyond that, it's us joining our hearts together with you and walking that out. And that's an incredibly awesome spot to be in. But if you're here in this room and you say, Pastor John, that's where I'm at, that I recognize that there's things in my life that are not um, in correct relationship with, with God, that there's sin in my life. And and uh, that, that relationship is not what it should be. And I need, need the gift of, of forgiveness that Jesus paid the penalty for your sins and for mine. And all we have to do is say, I received that forgiveness. There, there has to be that, that payment for the, for the sin. God's a just God, and yet we could never pay it, and he did it for us. And that's a gift. If you're here and you would say, you know what, I would, I would love to be included in that prayer. Um, to start my relationship with Jesus. If that's you, you would be so bold to say, hey, would you just include me with that prayer? Would you just lift your hand up and let me see that real quick? We're going to pray together all over this place. Anybody? 
All right. If you're joining with us online, there's a link that pops up. It's the same way. You can't physically raise a hand. We wouldn't see that. But the connection there with that link, we would love to pray together with you and begin that journey as well. We're going to be dismissed from our time here today. But as we do, the people up front here um, would love to connect with you in prayer. You see, the, there's those obedience steps that if we're not careful, we'll write them on those pieces of paper, we'll fold them up, and we may stick them in our pocket and like try to get rid of them before anybody else knows about them. Can I just encourage you, if there's that thing that God is speaking to you, that you would say, hey, I need I need someone to come alongside me and help help just kind of give me that, that extra oomph. Man, we've got some men and women up here that would love to do that. The Bible also says in, in James' letter that says that the, that if you, there are people in the, the body here that are sick, that they should call for the elders of the church, which we've done here, and that the prayers offered there can save the sick, that, that God responds to our prayers, and we would love to pray together with you as well. Obedience. It's immediate. It requires what you have, and results will follow. Let's always be the people that would have the right response in the middle of crisis. Father, I pray right now that as we go from this place, you would lead us and guide each step that we take. Help us to know your hand is at work in our lives. No matter whether we see the direct or the end of the direction, we just know you're calling us to walk that next step. Give us the faith and the obedience to do just that. Jesus name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and your coming and going. And may he give you peace and grace and let you be a reflection of God's grace into this community and your family. God bless you. You're dismissed. Come let us pray with you if you'd like. Thank you.